0: From the third chapter of Romans, the 28th verse, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is our text. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Words. Words are so important they frame our thoughts, they communicate what we think. Words are so vitally important, in fact, some words are simply too important to be forgotten. I'm reminded of that famous incident, in fact, of a word being forgotten back in 1631. It was 20 years after the first printing of the King James Version was done in 1611. And in 1631 there was a subsequent printing that was made and the printer forgot an important word. He forgot the little word not in the sixth commandment as it was presented in that Bible and so to the chagrin of many clerics and to the delight of many debasers the ending statement was thou shalt commit adultery rather than thou shalt not. One little word can make such a an amazing difference in most of the copies then after that printing mistake was made most of the copies were recovered they were recalled they were destroyed by King Charles the but eleven copies were never recovered again and those eleven copies became known as the wicked Bible and there are a few copies of the wicked Bible that still remain to this day in fact you can see one of the copies of the wicked Bible on display in the Bible Museum in Branson Missouri or there's another Bible, a Bible with a changed word in it, showing again what a difference a simple word can make, it's called the printer's Bible. The printer's Bible because in 1702 a proofreader who may well have been at odds with the printer who hired him saw nothing wrong with a a change in the wording of Psalm 119. The words of King David were supposed to read, princes have persecuted me without cause, and of course there was a mistake and so it read printers have persecuted me without cause and subsequently it was known as the printer's bible words are important the omission of words is important words that can't be compromised are important words that can't be forgotten are so important words that speak to the central doctrine of our christian faith are indeed the most important words of all the central teaching of our faith, that teaching of Christianity that's foundational to every other teaching, that teaching of how we are justified before God. How does God justify us? Those are the most important and critical teachings of the Christian faith. How we are made right with God the Father through the intercessory work of God the Son. No words in all of Christendom, no words in all of Scripture are more important than these of Of this article, Luther said, this article of how we're justified before God, he said, nothing may be yielded. Of this article, he said, nothing may be conceded. And yet, my friends, that's exactly what's happening to so many people in our day and in our age. They're yielding and they're conceding on this indispensable article of justification. It wasn't that long ago that the UPI religion editor of the time, Uwe Simonato, a good solid confessional Lutheran scholar, suggests that we may be on the verge of what he calls the Protestant collapse. Interesting, because citing a large-scale survey that was done by the reputable Barna group which researches and analyzes religious thinking of the day, he quotes them and stating that there is quote a very considerable diversity within the Christian community regarding its core beliefs. That's an important statement that's made. It's a politically correct way of saying most Protestants don't know what it means to be Protestant anymore. And then it goes on to state these rather disconcerting statistics. A mere 21 percent of American Lutherans 20% of Episcopalians, 18% of Methodists, 22% of Presbyterians affirm the basic Protestant tenet that man does not in any way earn or to some degree work his way into heaven through his good works. The counter of that means that 70 to 80% of each of these different groups that I mentioned are thinking that it is by some work of theirs that they finally gain access to heaven through some work of their own. If these statistics are accurate and there's little to suggest that they aren't, we are indeed as what Uwe Simonetto has claimed, we're on the verge of a Protestant collapse. How has it happened? How have so many strayed so far from that apostolic faith of our fathers? I'll tell you how it's happened. It's happened because too many have forgotten words. They've forgotten words too important to be forgotten. It's happened because all too many have relegated the words of Holy Scripture to the sidelines by saying they simply don't apply to the here and now or they have to be reshaped and reformed to make them applicable to the here and now. It's happened because others have denied the importance or discounted the importance of doctrine. They've disowned the creeds. They've dismantled the the confessions of ancient Christendom. It's happened because there are others who have carelessly discarded the time-tested liturgy of the church and have battered instead and bartered great hymns of grace about Jesus Christ for shallow, Christless, crossless songs. The words of faith are important but they're words that are being forgotten, they're words that are being lost to a whole generation which is not being taught to know them and to love them and to teach them to their children. Luther well aware of what happens to men and women and to churches and generations when they forget these important words and who allow the Word of God to be forgotten, pleads with his fellow Germans to receive God's grace, his words, with gratitude, with thanksgiving, and to teach it faithfully to the children. Listen to what he says, he says, use God's grace and word while it's still at hand. For you have to know, he says, that God's grace and word is like a traveling shower which doesn't return where once it's been. Look, he says, it was once with the Jews, but now it's gone from them. They have nothing. It was once brought into Greece by Saint Paul, but now it's gone from them. Now they have the Turk instead. Roman and Italy have also had it, but now it's gone from them, and they have the papacy. And ye Germans, you must not think, he says, that you will have it always, for because of ingratitude and contempt for it, it will not abide here forever. Therefore, seize and hold fast to it, whoever can. Mark the words of Luther well. When the word of God When the grace of God are gone, when the words of the church's apostolic faith have been silenced, then will be forgotten the most fundamental of all Christian doctrines, the doctrine of justification. And when that article of justification is gone, when that's fallen, Luther says, then he says everything has fallen. This doctrine of justification, he says, is the head and the cornerstone of all. It alone, he says, begets and nourishes and builds and preserves and defends the church of God. And without it, the church of God cannot exist for one single hour. Now, what is this scriptural doctrine, which is so fundamental and essential for the life of the church, that it can't exist without it, even for a single hour? This divine truth upon which the church is built, this divine truth without which the church falls, simply put, it's this. It's what our text for today so simply and beautifully says namely that we are justified we're declared just before God we're declared holy before God simply by faith alone sola fide apart from any good works on our part that's it or as Saint Paul put it a few verses earlier in Romans chapter 3 he says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and, We are justified freely, he says, by his grace, sola gratia, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, solus Christus. I know it seems so unbelievably simple. Perhaps that's part of the problem with it all. It's so often disbelieved by people and compromised by people because it is so simple. It's so simple because what it says is that He has done it all for you. Our sinful nature rails against that thought, against that divine notion. In fact, we might even say that divine insistence that there's there's absolutely nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And that there's not even a little bit, and stop and think about this, there's not a little bit, there's not even a nanobit There's nothing at all that you can do to add to what Christ has already done for you in his perfect life lived for you and his sacrificial death given on the cross for you. Everything has been totally all sufficiently done by Christ and our fallen vanity insists that no I have to be able to do something that I have done something in the past, that I can do something in the future, that I must do something that ultimately counts for something in the eyes of God or merits somehow something from God, something. Oh, to change the words of the old hymn from nothing in my hands I bring to something in my hands I bring. That's what our fallen nature would like us all to do. Many, if not most of you, have seen the movie probably own the DVD entitled Luther if you haven't done so already. Take it out, view it for Reformation this year, do it every year. So vivid in it are the scenes of Luther after an 850 mile plus walk from Nuremberg to Rome and then he is seen there and you recall this from the the movie or the DVD and you see Luther and he's crawling up these 28 steps of the Scala Santa of those steps that he goes up and on each individual step he and all of the other people that are crawling up this step with him what are they doing they're praying the our father on each step why to merit through their efforts through that simple action that they're doing to merit the grace of god to merit time out of purgatory for some loved one or for themselves for four weeks in Rome while Luther was there still a monk before the real reformation in his life had occurred he's there climbing up those steps he's there visiting shrine after shrine to view relic upon relic ad nauseum why? because through his efforts he might, he thought, attain something from God. Reflecting upon all of this pietistic tomfoolery and writing to a a letter to a fellow Augustinian monk only a few months before nailing the 95 theses to the Wittenberg church door, Luther said this, he said, in our age the temptation to self-righteousness violently assails many, and particularly those who strive to be just and good with all their powers, ignorant of the righteousness of God which is most bountifully and freely given to us in Jesus Christ. They, he said, seek to do good works by themselves until they have the courage then through those works to stand before God as if graced by their own virtues and their own merits. And yet, Luther says, it's impossible to do this. You yourself, dear friend, he writes to his friend, once held to this opinion. Rather, he says, so did I. An error. So did I. And so he had. How long and how hard Luther had tried to purge his own soul of his own sin through his work, his works of self righteousness. In fact, day after day, rising at the first ringing of the monastery bell at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, he and all of his fellow Augustinian monks would, by the second ringing of the bell, be kneeling in prayer before the high altar of the monastery chapel. They'd be appealing there to the Virgin Mary to intercede for them with her son. She was closer to them than they were, and so they appealed to her to intercede with her son that they might be spared his avenging wrath, and that's how they saw Christ and this would be but the beginning of a long day dedicated to doing whatever could be humanly done by their efforts to secure the forgiveness and the mercy of God and yet as Luther later writes it was all of absolutely no avail waste of time any sense of inner righteousness before God through all of those pious efforts totally eluded Luther and evaded him Until finally, and only through the intense study of Holy Scripture, God's Holy Spirit led Luther to rediscover what the church of his day had long since lost, the article of justification without which the church cannot stand. Words that can't be forgotten, that article of justification, that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. It's not what we do, it's what he has done. On the cross, that matters, that counts. Christ who delivered himself up for us on the cross to make full payment for all of our sin, and that same Christ who is now delivered to you through his word that you hear, through his holy sacrament that you receive, in order that that forgiveness won for you upon the cross is yours even personally and individually today. And once Luther realized this, he writes this, and he says, Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through the open doors, even unto paradise. And the whole of scripture, he says, took on a new meaning for me. As intensely as I had formerly hated the expression, the righteousness of God, because I could not attain it by my works, now I loved it, and I praised it as the sweetest of concepts. And so this phrase now has become to me paradise, the righteousness of God, not in Him, but in Him in Christ. And so also any and every sinner here today any sinner like that penitent tax collector that came into the temple remember and stood before The Lord pleading, O God, be merciful unto me, a sinner, and every sinner here today who, like that reformer of old, who we remember and thank God for today, any sinner here today who despairs and disowns every hint of self-righteousness and clings by faith to the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone, a faith given you by the Holy Spirit, any and every sinner here today who begs God's mercy and clings to Christ will also go home justified. Justified by Jesus Christ. What a treasure, a precious treasure, by God's grace, Luther had uncovered, hidden for centuries under the fancy trimmings of papal pomposity, was that simple, saving gospel of Jesus Christ that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, sola gratia, sola fides, solus Christus, and that's why we today as children of the Reformation can say solely Deo Gloria, to God alone be all the glory. Hear it one more time a man is justified by faith in Jesus Christ apart from the works of the law. It's by these words that the church lives And it's with these words that the church's children dare to die. These, my friends, are simply words that cannot be forgotten. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.